We are glad that you're part of our service and we want you to feel encouraged and strengthened today on Christmas Eve. This past week, I received a survey in which it asked three questions. Number one, what's your favorite Christmas food? And actually, I don't really think a whole, you know, Thanksgiving, I think a lot about food. Christmas food, you know, it depends maybe if you grew up having the seven fishes or things like that. Maybe there's something significant, but that one was kind of like a wash for me. But then it asked a, a second question. It said, what's your favorite Christmas song? But then it threw a curve in there. Secular song and then religious song. So, before I tell you mine, I want you, if you're with someone, to lean over and answer those two questions. If you're at home, just share that with one another. What's your favorite Christmas song that's not religious, and then what's your favorite Christmas song that's actually a song about Christ? Just take a moment and keep your mask on, but uh, share that if you can remember it. Those of you that are at home, ask the children. They may have a, a song as well. Please don't sing it. Please don't hum it. Now, I, I hope that won't put a, uh, what do they call that, an earworm in your, you'll be tweeting that around in your mind for the rest of the service. Then the other question it asked was, what's your favorite Christmas movie, both secular and Christian? And I thought to myself, well, you know, that's, there's not a whole lot that I know of, of actual, I guess I would just say, the Christmas story is, you know, the, the Luke story, the Jesus film would probably be the most beautiful Christmas story because it tells it right out from the Bible. And we all have a lot of Christian uh, stories in our mind about Christmas movies. I just talked to someone tonight who said they're, they're going to go home and they're going to watch um, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Some of you are thinking of Ernest Saves Christmas, Rudolph, you know, we could go all over the place. We're not going to do that tonight, and there's a reason why I'm asking all of these things. There's also a reason why I'm asking, where did I put my leather-bound notebook? Hey, Paul, would you mind grabbing that on the back there? Thank you. That's, that's got my notes in it, and it would be helpful. But so here's what I want to do tonight. I want you to think about the reality that when it comes to Christmas, there's lots of traditions such as the lights, the trees, the presents, giving of the gifts, feasting with our families. But what about singing? When it comes to Christmas, what's your singing about? You say, oh, you know, secular, I, I love white Christmas. Like I was thinking about that, where'd that even come from? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Like, what, what's so significant about a white Christmas? Like, why not a white New Year's? I'm dreaming of a white New Year's. There's, there's no real connection in the Bible between snow and Christmas, unless you, you really want to spiritualize it. But there's a verse in the Bible that actually says this. When you sing, Christian, sing with your spirit and sing with your mind also. So we just sang a song Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which I would consider perhaps one of the finest 
Christian Christmas songs that was ever written. It was written by Charles Wesley in the 1700s. It was revised a little bit by George Whitfield, which I would commend you. I read George Whitfield's biography a couple summers ago. Tremendous. But that song is so incredibly drenched with scripture that I thought to myself, I want us to review that because it just, just unloads on us a fresh look at Christmas. And then as we sing it, we'll sing it with our spirit and we'll sing it with our mind also. Otherwise, we might run into the danger of, have you ever missang the lyrics of a song? Have you ever thought the words of a song like, for example, Johnny Nash, not Johnny Cash, wrote the song, I Can See Clearly Now. Some people sing, I can see clearly now, Lorraine is gone. No, it's not Lorraine, it's the rain. Or row, row, row your boat, life is but a dream. But there have been children who were singing, life is a butter dream. Does anybody know what that's called? There's actually a term for that. When you sing the lyrics of a song, incorrectly. You can look it up. It's called a mondegreen. A mondegreen. Mark that down. You learned something else tonight. A mondegreen. What I don't want you to do is have a mondegreen. And sometimes when you think about Christmas songs, if I'm going to sing with my mind, I want to go, does that song really take me to Jesus? Does that song connect me to the truths of the gospel that are going to strengthen and nourish me and comfort and encourage me? Not all Christmas songs are created equal. For example, I saw a funny meme this week, and maybe you saw it. it. It began with someone singing this line, Mary, did you know? Right? And then in the next line, it had Mary standing there, and she goes, um, yeah, Gabriel told me. And I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Mary, did you know? Yeah, we know she knew because Gabriel told her. So as we go into this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, I want to start by, by pointing out that as, as Wesley wrote this song, I think he was emphasizing three thoughts. And as we go through these words, I want you to think about these three thoughts about Christmas. Number one, what comes into your mind when you think of the word peace? Just, just ponder that for a moment, peace. Because we, we talk about the angels coming and saying, peace on earth. What, what comes into your mind when you think of peace? A, a tranquil lake? Maybe that's where we get snowy night because it's quiet, you know, no more Zoom meetings. What, 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 what comes to your mind when you think of peace? Number two, what comes to your mind when you think of the concept of healing? Healing. I mean, in the midst of this pandemic, I mean, what, what, what does healing look like? Everybody says, oh, I can't wait for 2021. I go, I can because I'm not sure that there's any promise in the Bible that's guaranteed to get better. I hope so. And then third, what comes to your mind when you think of a personal relationship? Like, do you think of marriage? Do you think of a parent, child? Do you think of a best friend? I think that's what, what Wesley had in mind as he was pointing us to Christ in this great song. And so I want to just walk through it for a few, few moments and then cause us to just go, all right, well, how does that connect to us? here in 2020 going through a pandemic and the craziest year we've probably all seen in our lives. So I want us to actually take a look at the words and suggest that in this first stanza, what Wesley had in mind is the idea of Jesus at Christmas coming to bring us peace with God. Now, let me, let me share with you. I thought this was really cool. As I went through this, I was like, wow, this guy is nailing it. 
Harp the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Now, that particular line, technically, the Bible does not teach that Jesus sang at Christmas. It doesn't say that. It says in the Greek text in Luke chapter 2 that the angels said glory to God in the highest. It doesn't say that they sang. But in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6, it says, when God brought the firstborn into the world, he said, let all the angels of God worship him. So I want to suggest that as Jesus came to earth, all the angels of God were worshiping him. Let's keep going. <clears throat> Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Do you know what it means to be reconciled? To be reconciled means to restore a broken relationship. There has to be something wrong in order for it to be reconciled. There has to be a brokenness that has to be healed. Colossians chapter 1 said it was God's design to reconcile us to himself, having made peace through the blood of Jesus' cross. So as we think about this first line, think about Christmas. Don't leave Jesus in his little creche to be put away. But think about that part of the grand story that Jesus was born, that he might go up to the cross and, and make us right with God, reconcile us with God. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, God was actually in Christ on the cross, reconciling the world to himself. He was taking the barrier of our sin and dying in our place so that we could be reconciled to God. And I want to come back to that because that doesn't mean everybody is reconciled to God. It just means there's available reconciliation. Now, the next line says, joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. Well, the triumph of the skies is the angels are all singing. Jesus is born. Wow, let the angels worship him. But the nations, because Jesus came to the earth, the Bible says in Psalm 117, praise the Lord all the nations. Praise him all the peoples, for his loving kindness is great toward us and his truth is everlasting. The gospel right now, this is awesome to think that this gospel is going all over the world. We're not the only ones. Christianity isn't an American thing. Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. And one day when we stand before God, the Bible says there will be people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. So let all the nations rise. And that's what I hope that you're praying for, that the gospel keeps spreading to the nations. Let's keep going. Then it says, with angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. And the shepherds certainly went out and began to proclaim that. So the first, the first stanza, I think the point that, that Wesley is saying is Jesus came to bring peace. Jesus came to reconcile us to God. But we're all sitting there going, well, you might want to just do a redo here because... Um, isn't that song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, pretty right? There is no peace on earth. So, so what happened? And we're going to come back to that. But the second line is really cool because it's not that Jesus came to bring us peace. It's that Jesus came to bring healing. And it's rich with scripture again. So let's go to the second line. It starts with this phrase, hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Now, that phrase, prince of peace, is again right from the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 9, it tells us that a child will be born to us. Now, Isaiah predicted this 600 years before Jesus came. A child will be born to us. A son will be given to us, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, 
the Prince of Peace. And it says, to the increase of his government, there will be no end of peace. But then it has this weird phrase, hail the Son of Righteousness. Now that one, for some of you, you're going, you got me on that. I don't know that I've ever read that in the Bible. But actually, that phrase, hail the Son of Righteousness, is going to come right out of the Bible. Let's go to the next line, and I'll explain it. The next line says, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Now, now we're getting weird, right? Healing wings? But this actually comes from an Old Testament passage. In Malachi chapter 4, the last prophet of the Old Testament, right before the 400 silent years, he said, to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And I want you to think about that healing for a moment. What does that mean that, that in those last days when Jesus comes, that little baby is going to bring, first of all, he's going to bring healing, and then we're going to talk about what does that mean in his wings? Who brings healing in their wings? But the idea of Jesus bringing healing is, again, a, a tremendous truth in the Bible. I mean, why do we even need healing? When God created us, everything was perfect, including our health. It's the brokenness of this fallen world that brings disease, that brings sickness, that brings famine, that brings pandemic. And the solution is not science, it's the Savior. Jesus is the one, the Bible says, that brings healing. In fact, in Isaiah 53, it says, he was pierced through on the cross for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And by his whipping, we are healed. We are healed. What does that mean? And in Matthew chapter 8, Matthew actually says, and Jesus went around healing people because Isaiah said, by his stripes, we are healed. And that raises the question, if Jesus came to bring healing, why is there a pandemic? Well, let's keep, let's keep looking at this second stanza. It said, mild he lays his glory by. Now, now, that's an understatement. Right now in heaven, the entire heavenly host worships Jesus and was doing that before he came to earth. But at a point in time, Jesus gave up that glory that he had in heaven. In fact, when he came down to earth, mild is, a, is another way of saying gently, humbly, meekly. What a sacrifice Jesus made when he came to earth to lay his glory by. The Bible says in Philippians 2, he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So during that brief 33 years that he was on earth, he laid his glory by. He veiled his glory. He didn't have the worship of the universe. In fact, right before he went back to heaven, he said in John 17, Father, would you glorify me with the glory which I had before the world was? So mild, Jesus was willing to, to leave heaven, to lay his glory by and be born to a poor family in a backwoods of Nazareth. But it says he was born that man no more may die. Do you remember the story of Lazarus and Martha and Mary? And, and, and Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, 
even if he dies, he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Born that man, no more may die. It doesn't mean that we won't die physically, but the healing of our souls means that we won't die eternally. You see, many people are going to die eternally. When the Bible says the wages of sin is death, that means you'll spend eternity in a place called the lake of fire. And the Bible describes that as the second death, a lake of fire. And everyone who doesn't come to Christ will experience that ongoing death. But Jesus came that we don't have to do that. In fact, because he died and rose again, look at the next line. Born to raise the sons of earth. That's a beautiful thought. Born to raise the sons of earth. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, just as in Adam all die. Picture Adam as a, as, as a tree and, and, and the potted plant, and we're part of Adam. And because we're born in Adam, trees die and people die. But as all die in Adam, we were transplanted. And the Bible says, even so in Christ, all shall be made alive, born to raise the sons of earth. There's going to come a day when Jesus said, the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And it could be soon. He's going to speak a word. And out of the grave, we're going to come in our physical bodies, raised from the dead. That's an awesome thought. My little granddaughter and I were talking last night. We're talking about someone that died. And she said, Pop, and now he's a ghost, right? And I said, no, no, no. I said, when someone dies and they're a Christian, I said, they're not a ghost. Their spirit goes to be with Jesus. They're absent from the body and present with the Lord. She goes, what do you mean by their spirit? Like, is it their heart? And I said, no, we have an outer man, the Bible calls it our body, and an inner man, our soul. But don't ever think for a moment that God came to earth so that you and I could spend eternity as souls up in heaven. That's not what's going to happen. Jesus became a man that he might die and rise again so that we might be raised with him. We're not going to spend eternity floating around as ghosts and souls in heaven. We're going to be raised from the dead with physical bodies like Jesus, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Now, you ought to, you ought to go, oh, I know where he got that from, right? Jesus and Nick. Nicodemus says to Jesus, am I in? Am I going to go to the kingdom of God? Am, hey, hey, I'm not sure. And Jesus is like, Nick, you should know these things. You must be born again. You must be born again. Jesus put out a great recall, but it wasn't on your car. He didn't say, you better bring your car back or it's going to burn up. He said, you better bring yourself back to God because the first time you were born, it was deficient. You were born depraved. You were born twisted. Tom, you were born lost. You were born disconnected from God. But if you come back to me, the Spirit gives life and you're born again, born to give them second birth. And then the line concludes with this, this beautiful phrase. If we can bring that next line. I'm sorry. It, it begins with the next phrase, and this will be the last thing as we wind it up. So, so Wesley's going, look, Christmas is about Jesus coming to, be, to bring us peace, to reconcile us with God. But we go, but there's not peace on earth. Jesus came to bring healing of our souls, to give us new birth, to give us hope of a resurrection. But third, Jesus came to give us the personal presence of God in our lives. The Bible says God is not a God who is far off, but a God who's near. But the problem is God is invisible. 
And being invisible and being what theologians call transcendent, he's this lofty, infinite being, high above all creation. The songwriter said, immortal, invisible, God, only wise, you're in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes. Scripture says no one has seen God at any time. But when Jesus came to earth, he brought the presence of God. And so, as, as Wesley writes, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Veiled in flesh, what does that mean? Jesus, remember E.T. when he made his finger glow? Jesus was a glorious being who, if he chose to, immediately could shine so brightly that you would fall to the ground. In fact, he did it once. Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration? He took them up on a mountain and he said, some of you won't die until you see the kingdom of God and its power. And it says he was transfigured before them and he shone brighter than the sun and they fell to the ground. But for most of his life, he hid that veiled in flesh. The Godhead see. And then it says, hail the incarnate deity. This, you know where this takes me? To the wise men. To the wise men. They walk into a, into a, a, a probably a house by now and they see a little child and they fall to the ground and they start worshiping him. Who worships a two-year-old? Unless indeed he is God incarnate. We just read the word became flesh. Let's keep reading as we wind this down. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Let, let, let's just think about that. What does that mean? It says in Colossians 1, it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Jesus. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Matthew 1, behold, a virgin shall be with child and you shall call his name Emmanuel. So here's this transcendent God comes to earth. And after dying on the cross, he says to us, go and make disciples, and I am with you always. And so the Christmas song is about our personal relationship with God. So as we close, I want you to think about that. Jesus came to bring us peace with God. Hark the herald angels sing. Peace on earth, God and sinners reconciled. Two things I want you to think about. Number one, that peace right now is primarily personal. But one day it will be universal. And here's what I mean by that. Don't assume that you personally have peace with God just because you go to church. There will be many people who will stand before God on Judgment Day lost, ruined, deceived, because they thought, I'm a good person, I'm religious. There's no peace with God by going to church. There's no peace with God by being religious. Peace with God comes through the blood of Jesus' cross. 
Peace with God comes when we recognize that I've offended God and I put my faith and trust in his mercy and I believe that Jesus paid for my sins and I come to God and I ask him to reconcile me. And so if you're a Christian tonight, I want to encourage you no matter what's going on in your life, you have peace with God. But I also want to mention this that there's a difference between having peace with God and having the peace of God. So if you're a Christian, take comfort in your soul. You have peace with God. God's not mad at you. You have been reconciled to God. If you were to die this moment, the Bible says being justified by his blood will be saved from the wrath of God. Hallelujah. You're going to enter into the kingdom of God. But why spend our days on earth tormented with fears and worries and sorrows and problems and perplexities when God has promised us to experience the peace of God. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. Not like the world gives, my peace. Philippians 4 says, don't be anxious about things. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your heart and mind. Can I make a confession? I don't live constantly with the peace of God. Do you? If you do, you should be up here preaching. Do you constantly live with the conscious presence of the peace of God, there are times that I worry, fear, fret, feel mad, sad, had, hurt, perplexed, can't sleep, racing mind. But every single time, the Lord brought me through it. And as I sought him in prayer, he gave me peace. God keeps his word. So if this Christmas you're struggling, you're worried, you're fearful, you're fretful, God will keep his word. Do not be afraid, Jesus said. Trust. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble. My peace I leave with you. Sometimes the peace of God is like the rain in Elijah's day. He prayed and he prayed and his servant saw nothing. He prayed and he prayed again and his servant saw nothing. But when he prayed and prayed again, eventually a little cloud. And pray that that little cloud of peace, it may be on its way. It may not get here till next year. But don't give up. Jesus will give you peace. The songwriter said, oh, what peace we often forfeit and needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So Jesus, this Christmas, brought us peace with God. But what about healing? Risen with healing in his wings. If he's got healing in his wings, then why did I get sick? Why did they have cancer? Why did some of you lose your spouse? Why are people from our church in the hospital? Why are people deformed and disabled and debilitated? Why are people troubled in their mind with deep depression and mental disorders? Well, I want to suggest, first of all, that the same thing of the peace of God is true of the healing of God. The healing is primarily, first, spiritual healing. 
And if you haven't experienced the spiritual healing of your soul, go on in your health. Live a, live a healthy life to a hundred, but your soul will perish. So there is a mystery to the healing of God. I believe God heals. I believe God does miracles. I believe that through prayer, God can do miraculous things. But there are times that he chooses to withhold his physical healing, and that may be true for some of you. And you may have been misled by someone on television who said, if you're not healed, it's because you don't have enough faith. That's nonsense. That's not what the Bible teaches. If the Lord has not chosen to heal you yet, there are two things that I want to, to remind you. Number one, he didn't heal Paul because he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And number two, your healing may be partial, but one day it will be permanent. Revelation chapter 21 says, one day when the, the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord, there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears, no more death. The healing of Christ came when the Son of Righteousness came with healing in his wings. Why in his wings? Because the idea of, of a mother bird Psalm 90 talks about coming under the wings of, of God. Jesus, when he was on earth, he said, I would have gathered you under my wings, but you wouldn't come. If you're struggling with mental and physical sorrows and pain, come under the wings of Jesus and experience, first of all, that soul healing and prayerfully physical healing. And then finally, the presence of God. The presence of God. I know the Bible says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. But sometimes it feels like it. But right now I want you to remind yourself of this God honest gospel truth. That the Lord Jesus Christ is as near to you as he ever was. And he has promised you solemnly. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter how lonely you feel this Christmas, many of you out there watching us, if you're a Christian, you are never alone. And I pray that the presence of Jesus will become a a greater reality for you in the years to come. And if you're not feeling his presence, the Bible says, who among you walks in darkness and fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant, but still walks in darkness? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Stay steady, stay trusting, and remind yourself, even if you're in the valley of the shadow of death, the Bible says, he is with you and his rod and his staff will comfort you. Amen? Hark the herald angels sing, glory to our newborn king. Peace, healing, and the presence of Jesus. Benjamin's going to come and lead us in a closing song, and then we'll pray together.